Welcome to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. Our mission is to connect the past and the present NICU mom by bringing them out of isolation and into a sisterhood of women who can stand alongside each other as we heal and grow both in and out of the NICU. Our hope is that through interviews with trauma-informed medical and maternal mental health experts and vulnerable stories from NICU mamas themselves, that you would feel connected to the Dear NICU Mama Sisterhood around the world. So, whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago, or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone. It's time for our third annual Walking Letter of Hope Day on August 6, 2022. Walking Letter of Hope Day is a 24-hour extravaganza that puts you at the center of all of our celebrations. Not only is Walking Letter of Hope Day a 24-hour fundraising event, but really it's a day to celebrate you. It's a day to celebrate your journey, your miracle, and all that you have overcome together. So there's three ways to participate. One, you can wear your incredible Walking Letter of Hope Day merchandise. Two, share on social media what you're wearing that day, what your family is up to, and also share about your journey. Share what being a Walking Letter of Hope means to you. And three, and this is the biggie, give. There's actually two ways to do this. One, you can start an individual fundraiser, share that with your family and friends, or two, you can even start a team and gather a bunch of fundraisers under you. Join us on August 6th as we celebrate the remarkable Dear Nikki Mama Sisterhood and also as we celebrate you. Hi, mamas, and welcome back to the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. It's your host, Martha and... Ashley. Ashley, I had a thought (laughs) while we were talking earlier. Both of our last names are like animal related. Yours more than mine, maybe. Well, ham is is what you is, is what you eat. eat. Yeah. Mink is, you know, you can anyway, this is really good. Good kickoff for the podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, anyway, I, it was, to me it's just a it's just a sign that we were mm. always meant to be friends. Absolutely. I really I feel that. Every connection possible I'll make. <laughs> Uh, well, listeners, it's so good to uh, to be back with you and also to jump right into another one of our amazing stories. As you know, sometimes we have experts on in the field of neonatology and obstetrics and mental health, and then other times we have the opportunity to hear incredible journeys from women just like you, and that's what we're going to do today. Today, we have Kate Erickson on. Hi, Kate. Hi. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Kate, you're in Minnesota as well, right? I, I am, yep. You are just a jaunt from Ashley and I. <laughs> and so it's fun to be physically in the same parameter. It yeah. is hotter than heck outside today where we are. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> yes. Um, we're so excited to have Kate on. She's going to talk about a very unique journey that she and her family have it's expansive. There's quite a lot to it. There may be two parts involved because there's so much to go over, but it's it's absolutely worthy. It's an incredible story. I'm excited to share it. A little nervous, but excited. Oh, that's... You're going to do great. You're going to do fantastic. It's going to be wonderful. And after about five minutes, you're going to realize that we, um, we don't know what we're doing all the time anyway. So <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. Well, man, well, we had the honor of reading a little bit about your journey prior to this episode, but all of our listeners have never had the opportunity. So let's start at the very, very beginning. And uh, we'd love to just have you say hello and tell us a little bit about who you are. 
Well, I'm Kate, and I am from Minnesota. I have four kids total, and me and my husband are high school sweethearts, and <gasps> oh. we, yeah, we used to um, travel around while he was in the military, and we finally are back home with family, and it couldn't have been perfect timing because we needed the help. After having the girls, we just, it was like, it had to happen this way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell us about your two older children a little bit. And were they were they then born when you were doing all that traveling for the military? Yeah. Yep, they were. Um, so all of our kids, well, besides the girls, um, were born in different states. So Chase was born in Texas. Um, I actually moved out there when I was eight months pregnant, nine months pregnant, like very, very, wow. very big. And, yeah. Um, so that's where my husband was stationed, and we moved out there and ended up having a baby boy out there and then um that's so that's chase he's 10 and then we had lena out in washington state and it was just wonderful to be out there as well like i i loved traveling with him and and getting to have these kids explore and see new places and then we ended up he got out of the military and we ended up coming back home and then we decided we wanted to have a third baby and we ended up having twins (laughs) <laughs> surprise yeah <laughs> oh my oh, gosh uh, well that's like you said that's that's really interesting that how it all lined up because yeah. you came home you found out that you were having twins and how exactly did you find out that it was two I always think this is so interesting because yeah. in my head it's like a movie moment oh it was insane and I can remember the day like it was yesterday um because we actually had it all planned out my husband was still going to school. Um, he was going to graduate in December. And so we're like, we'll plan it out. We'll have a baby. And he'll he'll graduate and he'll have a baby. So it'll be perfect. And um, got pregnant. Found out uh, halfway through that we were having twins. And that they were going to be early. So it was, <laughs> it was insane. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, we went in for our 16-week, like, regular check. Um, my daughter, Lena, wanted to come with. You know, she wanted to hear the heart heartbeat and she wanted to just be a part of it no issues prior to we had an ultrasound done the doppler before totally fine i was like yeah i'll bring her with it'll be super quick mm-hmm. well how old was she at the time um four. Oh, right so super manageable for you yeah then, yeah to be <laughs> super easy just i gave her my phone and she would play on it for a little bit getting through the rest yes. of the part of it but mm-hmm. yeah we went in and um the she you know we went through the whole spiel everything was fine went through any questions, the regular stuff, got the Doppler on, and um, she found the baby right away, and then the heart rate dropped. So she's like, oh, that's weird. And then the, the baby moved, and she's like, okay, I found it again. Heart rate went back up. They're like, well, let's just get an ultrasound done. It's the last week that they're in this building anymore, so let's just make sure that the heart rate's fine. So I call my husband because I'm like, well, what if something is wrong? And... Mm. I don't want to be a mess in front of her, so mm. he comes with our son too, and he was, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, like, it's oh, a parenting. It's a whole ordeal now. So we waited an hour, um, you know, get into the ultrasound room. The kids are sitting there, they're fighting back and forth, and mm-hmm. we're looking at the ultrasound. And the lady, she goes, "So what did they tell you in the first ultrasound?" And I looked at her, and I was like, "I, I don't know the the normal stuff, like." Mm-hmm. nothing out of the ordinary and she was very very quiet um 
she didn't want to say anything because she didn't know what to say and you can see her scroll over the screen pretty quick so you never saw both babies heads in the same in the same picture it was so it was like mm-hmm. one head one head and we're like well what are we looking at are we are, are we actually seeing two and you know you would ask her and she's just like I'm I'm just trying to make sure that I, I know what I'm looking at here right now and you could I, I I'm not a professional at those ultrasounds at all so right looking then at it, probably now you are <laughs> yeah looking at it I was like they they look like they're connected because at mm. a point they would scroll over and it would look like it and then she'd scroll a little further and it wouldn't you know it would like separate them mm. but she's yeah she said there was two in there and it did look like they were going to be connected but other than that it was wow. absolutely nothing else no they didn't tell us if we had both limbs for both girls or we didn't find out if they were girls oh then gosh. but yeah no mm. nothing about the limbs organs or anything like that just that they were connected oh my gosh and your kids the older kids were in the room too yes yeah oh wow yeah so and it and that was a, a whole issue too because we were like well maybe we shouldn't have told them right away because of the fact that we had no idea if them being conjoined was survivable you know mm-hmm. so it was okay they were there and like in the now that we know it you know, it was fine because yeah. we have both girls, but in the chance that we didn't, I don't, I don't know how I would have prepared for that. Right. Yeah. So after they told you, okay, you're having twins, they are conjoined. How did your like care change? Cause I'm sure from that point on, they wanted to see you yep. like super frequently. Yep. And I mean, I was already, um, halfway along 17 weeks. Right. Um, by the time that I got into the specialist, it took us a week to get in to see anybody. And that whole week was, your mind is just going left and right. You try to stay Mm -hmm. off Google, but I'm telling you, you, it's just right at your, the tip of your hands that you just, you can't help it. But, um, yeah, whole week where we were like, how are we going to have two babies out of this? Are we going to have one at all? You know, what are what are they going to, what is life going to look like for them? And so it was a very, very hard week, you know, Yeah. just waiting. Mm -hmm. And so we got in finally and the beginning of it was hard too, because they said, you know, they're good. They have both their limbs. They have a lot of their own organs, all the organs that they need. Um, They were just connected by the liver and it started out perfectly fine and that they would just be two girls separated with just a scar. And then wow. later on in the pregnancy, it was issue after issue would pop up as they got bigger and they saw more, you know, mm. here's here's something more that we can see that's causing an issue. So it was a, a, a whole whirlwind of emotions because you start out, yeah. oh, oh, they're going to be fine. It's going to be great. You have two girls or two babies and... And then just your heart sink at every every appointment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I assume you hadn't ever met a set of twins that were no. born conjoined or connected or, no. or had met anybody who were parents of them either. No. 
So, that, I mean, that's kind of overwhelming, too, because it's not like there's a guidebook online yeah. or a ton of even like Facebook groups or, or places like that to join together. How, so how did you how did you decide to move forward and learn? Because I think that's hard. Like you said, you try to avoid Googling too much, yep. but you want to be involved and understand. So yep. how did you navigate that balance? Um, they actually did have uh, a Facebook group that we joined. Mm-hmm. But again, it was each conjoined twin is so different so different that it was hard to follow that even because no two are alike um and they actually the team that we went to they actually separated um a set right before we got there oh wow yeah as crazy as that is they so i think just knowing that almost kind of put us at ease because Mm -hmm. they just again not anything exactly like our girls but they just separated some that were you know a lot of medical needs so to be able to have them experienced and just gone through something that it was like I can breathe a little bit easier right yeah yeah so did they begin to kind of prepare you for like an early delivery or you know did they begin to walk you through like this is what to expect once they're born or how did you begin to process that Um, Well, they didn't really have, like, the first, you know, you have to make it to viability first, and because of them being conjoined, um, and then finding out about, I think it was 25 weeks, that um, actually our baby B had, um, it started out with um, an arrhythmia, and then it went into um, a second degree heart block, and then complete heart block. And that wow. kind of set the tone of how we would keep moving forward. And it was like we set little goals. They had to make mm-hmm. it to this size of like a 30-weeker, you know, mm-hmm. because before that they wouldn't have anything possible for our second girl because she would be too small. So mm-hmm. it was that kind of little stuff that we're like, okay, make it to this week, make it to this week, sure. make it to this size. And size was hard because you know, the way that they measured them was by their belly, and there wasn't a clear spot to stop the measurement, so it was kind of a guess, but yeah, yeah, it was difficult to kind of plan for anything, because we had to make sure we got to a certain size. Yeah, right, so it was more about size than it was gestation or Mm. anything like that. Yeah. Okay. It was, um, like, they wanted to make sure they weren't too big, but too small, it, it was a fine balance of how to make it to a certain point and what was the best point for them because they had no right. idea what they would do when they were on the outside because it's so different from being in the womb. Right. Yeah. Right. And I wonder what it was like then too to parent your older kids because on one hand you're also really high risk too yeah so there's all these other things that they're trying to do to make you like the perfect vessel right and to keep those those two kiddos growing and and everything and then there's also the fear and the the complexity of what you were going through that you and your husband were really grappling with as well how did you how did you talk about it with your older kids well the older two I mean being there and finding out the same time as us yeah we kind Mm -hmm. of just kept things light and happy and hopeful for them um, mm-hmm. because they were super excited. You know, I'm mm-hmm. at the Target checkout and they're like, my mom's having conjoined twins. And they were <laughs> so proud of it. Like, 
Oh, well, we, we literally, uh, the same day we found out about them, we went to swim lessons, and they're telling their swim coach. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, they were super proud of them. So, oh, yeah, funny. it was just trying to keep, yeah, the hope for them that, you know, yeah. we're going to be at the doctors, and they're going to have to do this work for them, but just kind of, like, keep it light so it wasn't too mm-hmm. scary for them. And, mm-hmm. right. I mean, it's, I had my days where it was like, I couldn't possibly make it through, but, you know, you just, I think that actually helped me get through pregnancy, having the older two, because it was like, you couldn't stop life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had to kind of act keep like going. it was a normal pregnancy and keep doing the activities for the kids, bring them to the sports and getting them to school and just mm-hmm. enjoying that time with them and the time with the girls in my belly as much as I could and like getting them involved and letting them feel them kick and all that kind of stuff just treat it as normal as possible and you know kind of hope for the best yeah Mm -hmm. that's so sweet though that they love them I mean I think that's like pretty profound actually like the simplicity of it for them yeah that they were just like these are our sisters isn't it cool I can't wait to meet them you know it kind of like yeah brings you back you're like oh my gosh yes this it's just two babies in there they love Mm -hmm. them no matter what and we'll just keep going as much as we can and do whatever we can to make it to whatever point we have to. Right. Yeah, for sure. So maybe let's go to that point then of, you know, they get to a good size. The doctors feel like, okay, it's time to start moving forward with delivery. I mean, how far along were you and what did that process look like? Um, well, I, I actually made it to 36 weeks in two days. Wow. Yeah. Holy um, That's cow. incredible. Yeah. For twins, yeah. regardless yeah. <laughs> of your circumstances too. Besides. Um, Bravo, you, Kate. Yeah, besides them <laughs> having those issues like cardiac wise and and some other small little issues um I felt like pregnancy was pretty easy um I mean very uncomfortable obviously but um no like major issues there was a point where um I had a little too much fluid um amniotic fluid but it wasn't to the point where they had to drain any of it yet so it was just me waking up at three in the morning and then having to stay up because I'm so uncomfortable but it was wow it was almost like again everything just worked out exactly how it had to because my fluid was super high and then the next appointment I had it was fine again so Mm -hmm. it's just insane how all of it just worked out perfect um but they were very kind of back and forth with how things were going to go and how far they wanted to go because um so they have had conjoined twins and they've had babies with complete heart block but they have never seen those two together so Mm. they said there was a lot of gray Mm. area on how that was going to work and what it was going to look like so it was a lot of we need to make sure that um, Remy is our baby A so we had had to make sure that Remy wasn't um, doing too much work for Reese and if she were to kind of deteriorate, we would have to kind of go into an emergency C-section and then an emergency separation. So it was it was a lot of worry of like, is that going to happen? And you go into every single appointment um, just praying and thinking like, please let that heart still be beating. Because her heart rate mm-hmm. um, during pregnancy was, I think, 
low 60s, high 50s. Mm. And so seeing Remy's in the mid 150 or so, you know, um, you see that beating and beating and you're like, okay, then you scroll over to Reese's and you're like, just please still be beating. As long as it's beating, we're, we're good. And thankfully she was stable the entire time, which, mm. you know, I think I had uh, weekly appointments. Um, we had a ton of echoes, which were exhausting um, because especially so small, um, it's just this tiny little spot that they had to measure. And if they moved a little bit, they had to keep going. <laughs> and I think ultrasounds were a minimum of three hours wow. every time. Yeah. And it was, it was just exhausting. I mean, you go in for ultrasounds and it's supposed to be fun and exciting and you get to see your baby and it's like I want left there wanting to throw up or pass out and you know embarrassed that that that's what point you're at because you should be able to handle it but so no it's it yeah it's just like this is not going into appointments you're like this is not a normal pregnancy and then you leave it and you're like have to pretend it kind of is right because we didn't tell anybody either about them being conjoined Oh, um, really? Not outside of our immediate family, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you share that you were pregnant with twins? Yes. Publicly? Um, yep, we yeah. did, not until um, we were halfway through. Um, a few weeks after we found out that they had everything that they needed in hopes that, you know, we'd still be able to yeah. <laughs> kind of announce that we were having later that we did actually have twins still. Right, yeah, yeah. for sure. I think you bring up a really good observation, though, Kate, about being in ultrasounds with high-risk pregnancy um, because those rooms are, they're dark. There's like the yeah. electric humming of the room, and when you're pregnant, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, you are being prodded and poked <laughs> and stuff in different ways, and you're also, there's like that emotional exhaustion, too, of yeah. trying to read the face of the um, the yep, tech yep. till it be like oh was that a what, what was that was that a sigh because they're hungry for lunch or was it a yeah. sigh because they saw something right yep. yeah it, and that's I think that's a really great thing that you point up because and you said oh I'm I would be embarrassed but oh my gosh no that's like it's like a Herculean feat that you did that for three hours yeah. like all the time yeah. that's crazy um, me and my sister were actually pregnant at the same time for a little while oh my gosh Ugh. and you know in a typical pregnancy it's I think, because um, the older two were normal pregnancies, super easy, gave birth fine, and all that. So you, I think you had, what, maybe three ultrasounds? And right, so right. it's so exciting to get to do that. And, you know, seeing her super excited for her ultrasounds and her baby and everything. And it's like, you try to be joyful for everybody around you who's having a normal pregnancy. And you're just like, oh, God, I wish that was me. Mm-hmm. So it was like, yeah, yeah it's hard to kind of put those emotions aside and and be there for her too yeah oh yeah for sure absolutely so you know what was I'm curious okay actually can I ask one question because when I hear the word heart block I think of like 10 different things so can you explain like what that meant in your daughter's case yeah um so her atria was beating twice to her ventricle in the heart so it was not like you know, it's like a boom, 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 shoot. So it was just completely off. The top is not communicating to the bottom, so it's not pumping the blood correctly. And um, a whole medical mumble-jumble of she needs to have the good cardiac output. And so, but yeah, it's just down to 
it's not communicating correctly from the top of her heart to the bottom of her heart to pump it correctly. Wow. Wow. I I just marvel that they can figure out how that they like, oh, yeah, we can fix that. No problem. That's crazy. Yeah. And it's so cool. To, Sorry. To do the ultrasound, um, to to get the cardiac output, it was like an Etch-a-Sketch. They would have to capture that picture perfectly. Then they'd have to go back and they have to scroll over it and sketch out exactly where that heartbeat was. And that was just so time-consuming and exhausting oh. and, and so insane, yes, that you're like, how can you do that and see all that? from just this little ultrasound Hmm. for sure my son had um some heart ultrasounds in the womb and I remember like they weren't as fun as the other ones like you didn't get any of the pictures (laughs) like you weren't looking at their face they were like this one's gonna be kind of boring and extensive because it's just on the heart and I was like Oh, darn. Yeah. And so I would, like, sometimes ask her, like, can you just, like, quick scroll over his face so yeah. I can at least see that during the appointment? But, yeah, I can't even fathom three hours every week, girl. Yeah. That's that's remarkable. You should be really proud of yourself for enduring mm-hmm. that. And I don't think amazing. the ultrasounds were even the worst. Thankfully, I only had to have one MRI, and that um, oh. that was that was painful. Um, they they okay. wanted me to lay on my back, and I was like, I don't think I can do that at all. And... I honestly don't even remember how long it was. It had to have been at least a few hours because they said it was almost the longest, uh, almost the longest MRI they've had. Um, and towards the end of it, my legs were going numb, and I was like, "I, oh. I gotta get out of here. I gotta switch sides or something." And so you finally push the button. You know, you hold on as long as you can. And they're like, "Can you make it five more minutes?" I'm like, "I don't, I don't know if I can do that, but I will if oh, that's what it takes gosh. to get this done." Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so intense. Yeah, the things that I they can even. do medically and just have all that information is just insane. Well, and something that like very few people in the world truly get to experience to that degree. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like we yeah. see it in the movies and we're like, oh wow. But then to like experience it firsthand is such a different yeah. experience. So wild. Yeah, you never um, think it would happen to you and then there you are. There you are. Yeah. So, you know, the, the moments leading up to their delivery, how did they tell you, like, okay, it's time, we're ready? Like, what, what was, like, the, the decision, and how did you begin yeah. to prepare for that? Um, well, they gave us two dates, uh, I think the week before, um, because they said, uh, so what they, I think probably months beforehand, they had talked about how we're going to do this procedure, we're going to do it this way. Um, because they knew the position of the babies in the womb, they knew where my placenta was, and they knew that they wanted to keep them connected to the placenta as long as they could. So they had um, an idea of exactly how they wanted to do it. Um, and there was a couple times where we went into the ER, and they're like, okay, this is how we're going to do it again, and just reiterate that every time we go in, because it's like, it could happen in any minute. Um, but because right. I was doing fine and the girls were staying stable and we needed to get them as big as we could, um, you know, we, we waited, but then they didn't want them to get too big. So the, um, MFM, he was actually going out of the country. So they gave us two dates and they're like, we can either do it with him on this date or we can wait and do it this date without him. And 
Oh, that's hard. Yeah, we're like, uh, no, he is. As if you don't already have enough decisions yes. to try Nobody, and make. Yes. Right, we're right. Like, nope. More variables. He is definitely has to be there. So it was basically no question it was happening on this date at this time. And um, we just kept with the appointments. We kept following them. We said, let's make it to this date if we can. And it was, it worked out nice that we were able to plan it because then we had somebody able to take the other kids and, and the time to just breathe and be there wow. yeah oh man and so how were you two emotionally preparing for it because um, I gotta say I've I've watched the videos um, that were available online and holy cow one there was like 8,000 people yeah. in that room so it's I'm sure it was planned to the nth degree yes. and two it was so cool I, I mean it's just wild to see it happening yeah. it's like kind of the thing that gives you goosebumps when you see it yeah so they did actually um for both the birth and their separation, they had a bunch of simulations that they, you know, worked out exactly how they're going to set the room and deal with getting the girls out and everything like that. Um, but for me, I, I'm like super visual, so I've never had a C-section done. I've never been in that operating room. Mm-hmm. Like medically, I have avoided doctors. So <laughs> to finally be there on that day, I kind of just was like, thrown into everything because I didn't even picture it at all because I I didn't know how to and it was Mm -hmm. very like surreal like you're just Mm -hmm. floating through it in a dream like is this really happening Mm -hmm. yeah I mean we walked into the room or I walked into the room by myself before Rob even did and it's this tiny little bed all these big lights and equipment and a ton of doctors that you're not familiar with and you're like this is just so weird how is this real life so it was mm-hmm. it, it, I could never have planned for it right even and that's a good thing to note too because I think sometimes the NICU moms or moms that have medically complex deliveries even when you have those months yes. to prepare for it there's nothing that prepares you when you're actually in the moment. Mm -hmm. And so there's no shame when you're like, wow, this is overwhelming. Because in our heads, we tell ourselves like, oh, I should be prepared for this. I've had months. But when you're in that moment, it's like, there's nothing. There's no amount of time that could prepare you. And that's okay. You know, it's okay to acknowledge your humanity and be like, this is overwhelming. This is not how it was supposed to be. Okay. You know, especially because they can tell you like, this is how it's going to go. You know, that's never going to happen. You know, there's always going to be something that's going to pop up that it's, it's going to throw the whole plan off. So it's Mm -hmm. hard to just, you kind of have to go with the flow of things and yeah and take and try like yeah. have a lot of trust in yes. those providers yeah. yeah yeah who i'm sure you got to know over <laughs> over a long period of time yes. too yeah i have a question too kate because in these types of situations i'm sure you got approached a lot of like oh can we like put you in a medical journal like this is a really oh. <laughs> so you know how did you how did you protect your heart from like okay, I'm still, these are still my babies. I'm still a mom. Like, yes, I understand the valuable research, but like, how did it feel to potentially be approached like that and kind of be seen as like this, maybe like science experiment kind of, you know what I mean? Like, did you ever feel that way? Um, not really. I think the type of relationship we ended up having with our doctors, um, they made us feel very, very comfortable. 
so mm, that's so it, good. it helped that you know whenever they did kind of present stuff like that to us it was like not not in that way that we felt like a medical experiment um right. and we did uh when during pregnancy they said you know can we take this to be able to because this has never happened before and and to be right. able to help other people and that's kind of been the whole mm. thing mm. about this journey with the girls because I had nothing, no knowledge of anything, and to be able right, to have yeah. some type of information out there to be able to help me kind of breathe a little bit and be able to yeah. enjoy that pregnancy a little more would be really nice. So to be able to help other people yeah. and, and give that information to others would be really, really, I think, joyful for us to feel. Yeah. You know, other people, they're going through so much. It's like if we could give you that little bit of hope that yes this could come out from a a very difficult pregnancy that that's what we want to give to other people that's a really beautiful way to look at it yeah (laughs) I'm crying because I'm thinking about like like you said that you Remy and Reese's lives because of what you know all the stuff there's people in across the world in Mm -hmm. decades that will benefit and will have you know maybe survive because of it That is incredible. I think just the hope I'm, too. I'm now. I'm really crying. So sorry. Hold on. <laughs> sorry, Kate. You go. No, we uh, went the first sit down with um, the MFM. We had a whole day of meeting with everybody, and you know that first appointment, you, they're like, you know, if this is too much for you, you have the option to terminate a pregnancy, um, mm. and I feel like that just. I had no idea how this was going to turn out, but I want others to know that just because they see one thing doesn't have to make it just go one way. There's Mm -hmm. so much that they didn't see during pregnancy or didn't know or that changed after birth that there's so much that good that could come from it, whether there's so much wrong with it that you know, there still could be good. Yeah. There's a lot of good in those girls. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty freaking cute too. Um, <laughs> so was your husband in the room as well? Was he able to be there during delivery? Yeah. Um, he came in oh, shortly cool. after they, you know, they got me the spinal block and everything. And another day that I will never forget. Um, cause I walked in first and I was so nervous. I was shaking. I, I mean, you have, ton of emotions hit you like oh god this is really happening and mm-hmm. it's hilarious because rob wasn't in there the surgeon was and he's like are you nervous and i told him no i'm like <laughs> he probably knew and so ah, i'm good yeah but it was also you know third pregnancy third birth that i was kind of like i'm all out there and you know ultrasounds and everything everybody's seen everything so i went in there fine <laughs> and rob comes in after and you know, he's like, holy crap, this is, it's insane. And, um, they had the drapes up and everything like that. Um, ton of doctors. I have, uh, two anesthesiologists staring at me, just making sure that my face is fine, (laughs) making sure I'm okay. (laughs) And I, I honestly couldn't tell you how many doctors were in the room because, there was too many to count and we had one specifically yeah. he's standing over here he's talking to me and Rob he's like 
is it okay if I take pictures of this while giving birth? I was like, sure, whatever. And to this day, it's one of my favorite ones that I, because it's the surgeon. He basically is like their dad at this point because he's followed them Mm -hmm. for so long and Mm -hmm. put so much effort into them. And you get to see him take them out and holding them. And it's like, it's just the best picture I've ever seen. And, And to have Rob in there was, it was good because... Thankfully, everything before COVID, so he was in there. Um, yeah. But it was also perfect because they had told me beforehand that they were going to um, put me to sleep, and we didn't find out if they were boys or girls, and so we were like... Oh, you didn't? No, we didn't. Oh. I'm, I'm <laughs> honestly really impressed that that didn't slip with the amount of ultrasounds you had. Wow. Time, we were like... Every, I mean, a majority of them oh, were yeah. the hearts, but... Um, every time we were like, nope, we're, we are not finding out what they are. Um, and then towards the end when they told us that they wanted to put me to sleep and we had a trip to the ER and they did an ultrasound, I was like, wait, hold on. If they put me to sleep and Rob's in there, he's going to find out what they are before me. And so we had him put, (laughs) yeah, we had him put, um, the genders in an envelope in case it got to that point. Oh, yeah. cute. You you guys really thought about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and thankfully, it didn't. Um, you know, they took the girls out, and then they said, okay, we're going to put you to sleep now. And I told them I didn't want to do that because I, I didn't want to prolong recovery at all. So I was like, mm-hmm. if I can stay awake, maybe that'll help. And just to be able to get to hear them cry when they came out. And yeah. I didn't get mm-hmm. to see them at all, but to be able to hear that was just, I needed that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you are a longtime listener of the Dear Nikki Mama podcast, or you have found yourself enjoying this episode, we would greatly appreciate a review on iTunes. Reviews on Apple and other platforms help other mamas and friends just like you find our podcast, help boost us so that we are more available and accessible to others, and they let us know that you're loving what you're hearing too. So we love to hear the stories that you're connecting with. We love to hear how the episodes resonate with you. And having that review is a great way for us to get a really tangible feel of how this podcast resonates with your heart. That's so cool. Oh my gosh. It's, it's hard to even know like what question to ask next because I'm sure <laughs> it was such a whirlwind. The girls are born. The doctor who's, like you said, is basically like a second dad yep. because he's been a part of it for this whole journey. They're here, out of the womb. Like, what was kind of the next big step or what was like the next big moment after they were delivered? They had no idea how they were going to be once they were born. They weren't sure, mm-hmm. um, like, how Reese would tolerate anything outside of the womb and... They had the room completely stacked full with IVs, meds, like, machines, everything that they needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they both came out screaming and fighting and and wow. way better than that they ever expected. So it was a nice, quiet first week or so with them. So it was, it was great to have that and, like, not, instead of the opposite direction. And um, they actually wheeled me down into their room. I I think it was the adrenaline before birth that I was like, you know, I stayed up to eat before I couldn't anymore. 
and then I got up super early. We live an hour away from the hospital, and so I got up super early to shower, you know, get prepped for the OR and and get down there in time. And I wasn't tired. I was like, oh my gosh, I just going, going. And during birth or during the delivery of them, I was like, oh my gosh, this is really happening. And this is the craziest thing I've ever felt in my entire life. And they get them out and they take them away. And then I'm like, okay, just throw it all back in there and and we'll be done, you know. Cause yeah. I think it took a good, <laughs> okay, wrap yeah, it up. Yeah, I think it took a good couple hours after to oh, yeah. close me up mm. and everything, because um, I ended up having a classical C-section, and oh. they pulled oh. my whole uterus out because my placenta was on the front, so they had to go around to the back, cut it there yeah. so that they could keep them connected to the placenta, and get them out. So it was, it was a, a, the weirdest thing ever. It's yeah. so frustrating, too, because you're just like, get me out of here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And I was just yeah. beat after, you know, they're talking mm-hmm. to me. The oh, surgeon yeah. and the MFM were both talking to me. They're like, this is what you need to do now and this and that. And I have no idea what they said, but I responded like I did. And I was like, just <laughs> yes. let me go. And- this final block gives you a lot of confidence <laughs> yeah. that you don't normally have. I'll say yeah. that. But they did. They wheeled me to their room so I could meet them before mm-hmm. I went to my room, which was, I don't know how I would have done it without that, because, you know, mm. you have to come off of that spinal block, you have to be able to walk and go to the bathroom before you can leave the room, mm-hmm. and I think that was another day or two, so to right. be able to get wheeled yeah. into their room and see them, and they were fine, they were stable, yeah. so it was good to have that. Can I ask, like, a like specific question mm-hmm. of I know you said early on in the ultrasounds they were connected by the liver so like how were they connected and and what was it like for you to see that you know not on an ultrasound picture anymore yeah. but like in front of you I honestly think just them being there and being alive it was like that was normal to me <laughs> it was yeah it's, these right. are my babies and whether they're mm-hmm. connected or separate that's they're perfect just as they are and yeah it was I don't I think I couldn't feel anything else other than that love mm-hmm. of just finally meeting them and pure love yeah yeah because mm-hmm. um, sure. they were connected from the chest down to their belly button um they shared wow uh the amniotic sac and the placenta and one umbilical cord so wow. they wow. yeah um and I think every time we talk about this it's like um, there was a point halfway through while we were at a, an ultrasound, um, the heart doctor comes in and said, if we saw this degree of heart block on a baby by itself, she would not have survived. So the fact that they were so conjoined be- oh. and there was one umbilical cord, it's like, it had to, it had to go that way in order for her to make it. Otherwise, maybe we wouldn't have ever known about her, you know? Wow. So it was just. So her sister like saved her yeah. life. And uh, that's, like, how it goes her entire life, the way that things went. It's it's just, like, it had to be that way in order for her to get as healthy and as strong as she needed to be to now. That is... Yeah. I mean, that alone is, like, so emotional. This is going to be some really beautiful wedding speeches (laughs) down the line. Yeah, no kidding. I'm like, they're going to have the most... 
beautiful profound bond. Yeah. and special bond their entire yeah. life. Like that is from the moment they were conceived. I mm. can't even hear that's it's wow. yeah. Mm. It's just weird to think about how it all worked out it, it, exactly how it needed to. It just mm. it was perfect. Oh wow, that's incredible. Wow. Yeah. So obviously we just talked about how they share an indescribable closer than life bond because they've been conjoined and now you're preparing to have this surgery where they're no longer connected so you know what was their NICU stay like leading up to that and what was it like you know the moments before they kind of told you like okay it's time we're ready for that you know what was that journey like the whole time before it was so back and forth of this needs to happen first or this needs to happen next and what what kind of is the main priority and because mm. you know you have Remy who's healthy she is wanting to grow she's wanting to move and they're like well we need to make sure that Reese is okay without her so mm. how how do we get to that point of her heart being stable enough to be able to separate on her own because um, Remy was doing a lot of she was making the urine for both of them, whereas Reese was not making as much. So they weren't sure that her kidneys were going to turn on when she was on her own. And then, um, like, their blood pressure. One was always high and one was always low, so it kind of evened out. And it made her cardiac output at a decent spot that they were like, okay, she's fine, she's stable. Um, and then just, just going back and forth between the plans, there was always something that happened. Um, they had to get a tissue expander put in. They did that, uh, I think, 12, 13 days after they were born so that they could get enough skin to close both. And then that split open. That incision split open, so they had to take it out. Then they had to get a, a, a custom one. That took longer. You know, it was always these little moving pieces mm. that just tore you apart. It, they, it just tore you down mm -hmm. every single day because you go in there and the plan changes every single day. Mm -hmm. So you have no idea what is going to happen and when. And yeah. so we made it to, um, they, well, after they did, um, they did an MRI and the tissue expander, um, after they tried to get the intubation tube out um Reese couldn't do it um they took it out for mm -hmm. a day then they had to put it back in they took it out again attempted some other things and then she couldn't um so having that in and having it in for so long um she just kept having the episodes where she would clamp down she wouldn't pass air Remy would clamp down she would pull the air from Reese so then Reese wasn't breathing she mm -hmm. wasn't moving any air at all so it was the fact mm -hmm. of trying to get them to kind of cooperate in that area together and um I think she just had so many so many points of that happening that they ended up doing a bronc and it showed that her airways were very damaged and mm -hmm. they said if she she had so much damage that if they didn't work on it within the next weeks or months that she could have everlasting damage and so they had to fight with this Yes, they're stable together, but if she does not get, the, and they couldn't, they mm -hmm. couldn't do anything for her while they were still conjoined. So okay. yeah. they said, you know, we have to get her separated. We have to be able to get 
all of these things done in order to get her to a point where she can get that tube out so that doesn't like cause some major damage for her mm. so and you mentioned this to us earlier <coughs> but we should make the listeners aware that this was during the onset of early yes. covid in america yep. and so you had mentioned to us that that was also playing into the scheduling factor yep. too which is just like another layer of nonsense that you absolutely did not yeah. need in your life yeah it was nobody can come visit at all not the kids can't mm-hmm. um you couldn't stay anywhere so it was you were confined to their room nowhere else that's it and so it was just you went in which i'm not gonna go much else than their rooms when i go visit them but um right it was just even more scary and tiring and draining on you than a typical stay would be you know you add in that that you're like worried about bringing stuff in and you worry about that normally and then add it on top that it's like what if I bring this in and then it pushes any type of procedure for them so it was very scary but yeah they um it was very back and forth they're like we're trying to make sure that it's uh you know I think all of the electal procedures were not they were not doing them they had to be very it had to be life or death type of thing and so they had to make sure you know put that into people's ears they know this is necessary um they had to work on the simulations for that as well they had a team Hmm. for reese a team for remy um and then they you know they had to make sure they had the or space for it and i think it was six days beforehand they said okay we got the approval for the separation we have all these stipulations of how it's going to happen if you want to see the girls you have to stay in the hospital from this day to surgery otherwise you can't come visit them until the day of oh yeah my gosh. and it was they told us that on a friday and we had to be in the hospital by sunday night so we had to scramble to get our kids taken care of for that entire week and make sure we had everything at the hospital because we couldn't go home until after yeah it was it was draining and then to stay in the hospital for that week and they went over every little detail of how they're gonna do this or they're gonna do this but if this happens they're gonna do that so it was like mm-hmm. if if Remy starts to get sick or starts to you know it's gonna be a quick separation it's not gonna be an elaborate save both girls type of thing they were going to make sure that Remy was okay um, so yeah mm-hmm. they you know they went into detail which I think was probably the hardest thing to you know because you're in for me very visual I'm in that room and I see exactly how it's going to play out as they say it you know talking through it they said if we separate and Reese doesn't make it I'm going to finish working on Remy and I will wait to bring Reese out and we will say goodbye to her in this room gosh and I think it was so hard because it's like you just picture it 
because you're right there. Yeah. And you're like, you've spent this time with her already. You've seen her personality come yeah. out, and you're like, it can't be, it can't go that way. And, and that's how, I mean, they have to tell you that because it is a possibility, but I just, it was so hard to have them actually say it and, like, picture it happening and, and, and you're just, you know, you're drained already because you're not sleeping. You're sleeping on a hospital couch bed. So, yeah, to yeah. just have them have to say that, it's, you wish they didn't have to tell you the worst outcome, but to be prepared for it, yeah. if it did happen, it was, it was needed. Yeah. Okay, mm. I think that, yeah, I mean, the other thing is that, that it was talked about I mean, you've got these two beautiful girls and the way that their lives are intertwined like this and then have it not only said aloud, but it's like documented, right? Like this is plan A, plan B, and plan C. And you're like, well, I don't like the plan B and plan C. Those are stupid plans, but you know. Throw them out the window, yeah. Right. Uh, It's so hard to balance that life between I'm their medical coordinator right now and the other side of you yeah. is the mom, which feels everything so deeply. And then you just picture, that, that would be so how hard. am I going to tell Remy that when she's older that she is to have a tune in mm. and you go home and tell the other kids who haven't even gotten the chance to see them in a month that, yeah. you know, that's what happened. And so it was hard to mm. prepare for it. But also in a good way, we were quarantined in their room with them for a week and it was like it was so nice to be able to wake up with them and and just Mm. enjoy the day with them and do all their cares with them and Mm. and soak up that time in case that did happen it was just it was good to be there too so beautiful and I think it was after separation that they just really kind of told us how nervous they were for that um, I mean, I know yeah. they have to prepare you for all the outcomes, but after it was like, they all said, we were so worried she was not going to make it. We did not think that this was possible. And to have them both here is, it's like, it's just proof yeah. that anything can happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So they have the surgery. The surgery is successful. Um, you know, what was what was it like the first moment that you saw them separated? It was insane again. Um, so when <laughs> we sent them off to the operating room, they were actually holding hands. Like, they had their hands placed oh. over each other. It was just the sweetest thing. And we sat and waited. It was, I think, a seven-ish hour surgery. We're pacing back and forth. And... And they said they always call with updates, and um, so they called, I think around three or four, and they're like, "Okay, we're closing them both now, and and they're gonna be coming out." And so you just wait, and there's this big door. You're just sitting there waiting, and it opens a few times, and it's not the girls. You're like, "Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, uh-huh. come on already!" And and it was just, just like every other aspect of their life were like is this even real how is this happening because they wheeled out we had one bundle of baby that is now two and it was like they were reborn it was like we have two beautiful new babies already and and just insane that it's they're 
so different, but the same. It it just right. Nobody could stop smiling because they both came out so <laughs> so good. That is so yeah. amazing. Wow, I can't even I can't even fathom like what that felt yeah, like for you. Yeah, and I that think be... they wheeled out Remy first, and um, so they have the they have two different teams. And when they came out with Remy, it was everybody who worked with her around her bed so it wasn't just this tiny little baby on a big bed it was the entire team coming and presenting her out oh. to us again and it was it was just it was so cool yeah just to amazing. see them both on their own was just it's so weird and then they actually so when they brought him out we shared a room with them the entire time and they brought him out and they actually ended up in separate rooms so we're like we saw Remy, and then we got to go three, and then we're walking back and forth. We're like, "How do we do this? We gotta, we gotta keep going like that." <laughs> right. So it was, it was just weird. Do you feel like they initially experienced like any feelings of like, "Where's my sister?" Yeah. Like, Where's Remy? could you Where's could you tell from like that early on, or do you feel like that came uh, later? I would say or... later, um, just because they were so sedated for a while after. Um, sure. And, yeah. And it was. It was very hard to tell with them being so sleepy. You're like, right. yeah, but they yeah. were just, it was weird. It was just such a, a different experience to be in two rooms and then sometimes down the hall and you're like, oh my gosh, there's two babies. We have <laughs> twins. Like you don't feel we like twins. twins before because yeah. you're only always holding one baby mm-hmm. and now you could hold them separately. Wow. It was just crazy. So and I know we're going to really get into this in part two, but when did you get to hold them together again? Like when, you know, like in the t- separate, but together, like when was that first moment? Oh gosh. Um, probably not until recently because when we went back in, we didn't always, we had to make it sure it was okay to have Remy in there, um, to come back mm. and visit because of COVID. So it probably wasn't until we got her home that we were able to hold them both together again. Yeah. Wow. wow. What a wild... I mean, to wrap your head around the fact that, like, they were together, and now they're not, and then, like, they can't be held yeah. together because we're in a stupid yeah. pandemic, and oh my gosh. Cause, wow. And while well, Reese was connected so to quite a bit still after surgery, so to get her in sure. her arms alone was a lot of work that... Yeah, right. and squirmy yeah. little yeah. Remy. Mm-hmm. She, there was that was not happening. She was, <laughs> when they were conjoined, she was pulling tubes out, and they were both whacking each other. So to have have her anywhere <laughs> near those tubes, that was not going to be good. It is wow. funny. It's funny how spatially unaware babies yeah. are. It's just funny that they don't know where <laughs> their arms are going. Oh, that is well, so cool. And I want to make sure that our listeners hear this clarification too because leading up to the surgery how long had you guys been in the NICU um before surgery we I mean they were born never left the hospital four and a half months they were separated and they both still stayed there until they were cleared to go Remy it took a good month so I think she was in there I wrote it down because I would Remy was in there for 167 days and then Reese was oh, in there wow. for 366. Oh yeah. my gosh. It was a long, long mm. time there. A long journey with yeah. both of them in that hospital. And so now you all know why it's two parts. Because Yes, exactly. 
that alone, yes. Well, Kate, this is, it's so, I have no words. It's just so, it's. Wondrous. Wondrous, yeah. Yeah. There are so many parts to your story that just feel like these little miracles intertwined of Mm -hmm. just like, you know, not only their start to life of like being conjoined, but also their dependence on each other at certain points in their life and just how, you know, it's just, it's so beautiful and it's so remarkable. And I'm really excited for part two because I know that there's so much more to come of life after NICU, life after hospital. And when you really began to start your life, you know, as a family and, and I've just been thinking about you and I'm sure we'll get to this in part two, but you know, for essentially two years, you were in this like back and forth unknown, like mental space of like, it could be this, it could not be this, it could, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's a lot to, Mm -hmm. to carry. And I'm really looking forward to hearing about how you began to really like heal and process. And, you know, we talk about it a lot, but often when you're in those moments, you don't have the capacity to think about it. You're just like, all I'm thinking about is my girls getting home, you know, and Mm -hmm. then you get home and you're like, (laughs) All of this stuff that's happened for two years, I now have to think about, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so we are just, we are so proud of you. And I hope that you just marvel at how you walked through all of this leading up to this point. And it's just, it's a joy to hear your story. And I'm really excited for part two. So cool. It'll be very interesting to show you how they are now. And I'm, (laughs) they're amazing. So I'm, I'm glad. And I hope our listeners have heard the kids in the backgrounds because um, that just already is like a teaser into how well they're doing today. Um, We love hearing kids in the background. So, um, well, fun. Well, we are going to stop right here for part one. Um, We are very, very excited for part two. And Kate, thank you for sharing part one with us and for being so vulnerable and sharing your story with our community. And to all of our NICU mamas listening, we love you. We appreciate you. We're so grateful to share this space. And um, we just, the sisterhood is is the best of the best. We're so grateful. So we will be back with Kate's part two. But um, thank you guys for being here. And we'll catch you guys soon. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. If you loved this episode, we'd be so grateful for a review on any of the podcast platforms. And we'd love to continue connecting with you via our social media pages or our private Facebook group. And ultimately, Nikki Mama, welcome to the sisterhood.